Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. For some of you, you have a long holiday weekend, especially if you work in the financial institutions. You, you probably, not the rest of us. The not moment. the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, some of us have uh, got to work uh, on Monday. On Monday, yeah. But... Uh, Fourth of July just around the corner, and we have some great tips for you today on tolerating and surviving the Fourth of July. Because for your animals, it may not be as much fun as it is for you. And we'll be. Oh gosh! I know. I was gonna say I'm gonna be so busy. I get the last minute calls for anti-anxiety medicines, tranquilizers. Oh gosh, yeah. We have people like just rushing in on the weekend hours to try to get some relief for their pets. And do you uh, freely prescribe those tranquilizers, or or how does that work? It depends on the pet. You know, there's a lot of different options out there. Things from uh, natural supplements to anti-anxiety medicines, sedatives, um, or other types of environmental things such as music that we can do. So it really depends on the pet and the severity of the symptoms um mm. what we might use but yeah there's definitely options but unfortunately people wait till the last minute and then you know the booms are going off and they're like all like what are we gonna do well we're gonna talk a little more about that today also on the show today we have brian scary his name his last his last name scary and it should be he uh he swims with the sharks he photographs sharks for That's crazy it is crazy but Jeez. he thinks that you know they're the misunderstood they have a bad marine rap. mammal they, they get a bad rap like the pit bull He's uh, he's logged like 10,000 hours. Oh, here it is. He's logged 10,000 hours in 30 years documenting sharks. Wow. And That's he, dedication. Yeah. And he, as far as I know, the, at least the picture I see of him, he has all his limbs. <laughs> so he, he knows what he's doing. And we'll talk with him in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, we're going to talk to a software millionaire, a guy who's given up, uh, well, I, I believe he sold his uh, software. He retired from his software business, I guess I should say. And he's now serving the animals by transporting them from areas where they would normally be euthanized in overcrowded shelters to areas where they could be easily adopted, where there's a shortage of animals. That's awesome. It is. And so we'll talk to him in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Uh, did you guys hear about that case in um, Atlanta where on a Delta Airlines flight, uh, a passenger was attacked by a dog? Yeah, I did. On the plane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about this story and some of the problems that we're facing that are going to get even worse because of that incident. If you're wondering what that noise is in the background, uh, in this soundproof studio, <laughs> that's rain. Imagine hitting the, that. We're, we're actually getting a little bit of rain, much needed rain, and it's uh, hitting the roof pretty hard there. It's a great kind of white noise it uh, is. for people that want to sleep or that can help you know, pets soothe in times of anxiety. So, so if your animal needs to be soothed, uh, just bring them near the radio. We'll shut up for a few minutes. Ooh. Ooh. Now that and won't help the anxiety. <laughs> Hi, who is this? Hi, this is Carol. Hi, Carol. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Uh, the northern Arizona mountains. Arizona is close to my world here. <laughs> okay, where are you? I'm in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Yes, you are close. So what's on your mind today? Well, I have a feral cat. I live out in the forest, and I have a feral mama cat. Uh, there's many abandoned animals out here, and mm-hmm. uh, I was hoping that there would be some way that I could maybe give her some oral contraceptives. I cannot catch her in a humane trap. I've contacted all the agencies locally, 
nobody will do anything but loan me a humane trap, which I already have. And uh, okay. I, I and I you did didn't want to use that. I have used it. I've tried to catch her for two years. <laughs> so, so she's was, very clever at escape, then, huh? Well, she's very clever to have stayed alive this long in this area with coyotes. So she's no dummy. And is it just the one cat that you can tell, or is there a group of them? Well, there's males that come around and continually impregnate her, but she's the only one. She lives under my house, and uh, she keeps making babies for me. I have four more now, and I try to find homes, but it's not easy, and all this, the, the no-kill shelters here are full. There's nobody that will take them. Oh, and so I'm desperate to get her fixed. And I was kind of hoping maybe there was an oral contraceptive or something that I could put in her food. I don't know what to do. I can't catch her, and I can't kill her. No. And, and you know, this raises several different points, Carol. Is One is that cats that are feral are really, like, truly the homeless of the animal world. And it, without someone like you to step in and be their advocate, there's nobody. And they are to the forces of nature and uh, coyotes and um, in cities, um, vehicles and all sorts of, you know, the hazards of being outdoors. So without you or someone like you or an agency to step in, these cats are really left there out on their own. And obviously she's found some uh, some haven in your home environment or around your home. So, um, so I commend you for that because that's a big thing. Um, but there is the big challenge of, you know, some of the methods we've got to control overpopulation in pets is obviously not working. And uh, the spay, neuter, trap, and release programs are great if you can catch the cats. And I think you're saying that that, that isn't always so easy um, with the either equipment failures or just the, the ingenuity of the kitty that they're just too smart to fall for going into that, um, into the trap. Um, there are some things that are kind of out there um, as far as developing oral contraceptives. And some of it, um, there are some reports, if you kind of look on the Internet, and there are some things out there where um, some people have put together a type of oral contraceptive for cats and have promoted it. Currently, there's not a lot of good... Um, information on this, and there's actually more uh, side effects and hazards with that. Um, the medicine is actually one called Ovaban, and it used to be used for contraception, preventing pregnancy, um, but it causes bad things like uh, mammary tumors, it causes types of infections in the uterus, and, uh, you know, we don't want to, like, cure overpopulation by creating disease and, and, and suffering for pets. So some of those things really aren't readily available because there's so many shortcomings of that um, technology at this point. Um, and there are some cool things maybe in the horizon that we could be looking for in the next few years. Um, there's some cat groups and some veterinarians that are actually working on a vaccine to try to sterilize um, cats. And, and that may be something, you know, we might be seeing in a couple of years. It's basically what they call a GNRH vaccine. Still have to catch the cat to give it to them, but that's something that may be in a kind of a stray group, um, you know, that can be done. And um, as far as for your kitty, that do you have cats of your own? Oh, my goodness, yes. I, I have 11 of her offspring over the last five years, and I've just been given four more. And, oh, my uh, goodness. And, you know, and there's organizations here that have been giving me free spay and neuters for all the cats, but now those are not even available anymore. There's such a high population of uh, surrendered animals that nobody's doing anything anymore. 
And I'm in a small yeah. community, so it's not like Los Angeles. Yeah, and in definitely in, in a bit more rural environment, that could be more of a challenge. So definitely, I, I, I wish there was something we could tell you that's going to be safe and effective to, to put in the food. And at this time, there really isn't. Um, you know, there used to be some things out there for dogs that were used. Uh, and, you know, people who have heard of something called Neutersol, many years ago, there was an injection that you could give to male dogs. Um, as horrible as it sounds, it was an injection into the testicle that made them sterile. And there's a lot of research and a lot of people looking at this, trying to find other ways to spay and neuter animals without having to go through the surgery. Because as you're saying, you know, there's the, the cost of that. There's the, the difficulty catching the pet uh, or the animal. Um, so um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of things that are, are challenges on this topic. Are there have any you, organizations maybe nationwide or other than my local area, because I've already tried them, that would help with spay and neuters of some of these kittens? National organizations may not necessarily be the ones we need to be looking at, probably more community-wide or statewide. Um, the Alliance for Contraception in Dogs and Cats is a group which um, they do have a website. You can go on there. Um, I believe their website is uh, www dot acc hyphen d dot org i know that in northern arizona the best friends is located there and they do a lot of spay and neuter well they're actually located in utah just right there on the border and they do a lot of spay and neuter in your area there and you might want to contact them uh, the best friends network and we can give you that information off air if you'd like that that would be wonderful thank you i appreciate it we got we got to get her spayed that is so important Oh, my goodness, full-time job trying to find homes and keeping all these babies. Absolutely. We commend you. And you know what? I just did a cat enema, too. It seems every time I get on air, I do something really weird. Either eyeballs popping out or enemas and cats. A cat <laughs> enema. That can't, I'm pretty sure that you have to put on gloves for that, right? Yeah, gloves and sometimes protective eyewear, I'll tell you. Sometimes when you get a little liquid, it just kind of propels things. And oh, whew, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You know, so, your job is one of those jobs you either love or hate. I gotta tell you that right now. You got you gotta like grossness. I mean, any kid that wants to be a veterinarian, if you can't stand the smell of dog poo, or you can't stand something really pussy or boogery looking, <laughs> it's, it's not for you. You you gotta love that stuff. And you do. I do. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> Were you like that from a kid? From a teenager? Did. Uh... Did your parents freak out? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I think what they really knew they were in trouble when I had a, a little pet um, lizard, a little fence lizard, and his name was Rambo, and he was he was a delight. You know, I loved him. You know, I wasn't really allowed a lot of pets, believe it or not. So um, I loved him, and he died, and oh. I wanted to know why he died. So uh, my mom came home, and I was on the kitchen table dissecting him oh. after he had passed away, and um, granted, she, you know, I still got dinner that night but um she was very disgusted i used the kitchen table for that purpose <laughs> so you were, you were doing an autopsy is what you were doing exactly just trying to you know, deduce the cause of death and did you figure it out um well it, it actually it was a combination of things but i was trying to force feed him and i uh, kind of contributed to part of the problem he had uh, oh. a cricket stuck in his throat yeah. uh, you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android the education. Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. 
You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie Zowie. They've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens. Hey, listen up. Whenever we talk about something on Animal Radio, it's because we use that product and we're happy about it and we want to share it with you. And that's why I share with Smart. So here's the difference. If you use pee pads, you know that those thin, cheap pee pads always leak. They leave a wet mess behind. Your dog walks in it, tracks it all over the house. That is not the case with WizSmart's pee pads. Our stunt studio dog, Pixel, has been uh, using them actually since uh, since day one. They're ultra thick. They work overtime up to 24 hours. They, they hold eight cups of... Uh, well, whatever you want to pour on it. <laughs> they have a leak-proof design, and they use upcycled materials from deconstructed, unused diapers. And let's not forget about the sticky tabs. On all four corners, they have these sticky tabs. And what you can do is you can stick them to the floor yeah. so they don't move around. Or you can take them for your little male puppy and stick it to the wall so that if your dog lifts his leg, you're fully covered. It'll absorb it right then and there. How clever is that? I know. They thought about everything. I've only had uh, female dogs, but I didn't think about that. Boy dogs pee up against the way they lift their leg. and they So this actually goes up the side of the wall. And, and you stick it. This will make a world of difference for you and your puppy. Now, we're using it for a puppy, but this is also good for senior dogs or dogs that are ill, or in the winter if you live in a winter state. Yeah, what about if you live in a high-rise apartment? These are great. You don't want to be going up and down all day long. Remember, you don't want your pet to hold it in for so long when you're not home. There's actually potential health risks associated with dogs holding their pee. Uh, Urinary tract infections, stones, and even some really bad behavior problems. WizSmart.com is the website. How do you spell that? Oh, yeah, W-I-Z. S-M-A-R-T dot com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We are just a few minutes away from Kristen Levine from Pet Living. And she has some tips for you to have a calm pet. Because last week was Pet National, what was it? National Pet Anxiety Awareness Week. It was the first annual. It was the first one. I don't think you can actually say first annual. I don't think that actually is. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you're right. It has to start at the second annual. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But uh, apparently your pets can be very anxious. And there are signs to show you that your pets are anxious. And she'll tell us all about that in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. We are going to go back to the phones from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now, why don't you? It's made possible by fear-free happy homes, helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, everywhere in between. Visit them now at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's go to line four. Hi, who's this? Um, Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Fine. Are you driving? I'm in a tractor. Okay. And where are you today? Uh, Dallas, Texas. Very good. Is it hot there today? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you're a man of few right. words, Chris. Chris, you're on with Dr. Debbie. Yes, well, hi, ma'am. Chris. What's your What's your concern today? I have uh, a miniature schnauzer, approximately three years old, and I found out that they have common ear problems, and I was wanting to know how to prevent that. Uh, she consistently shakes her head. It sounds like she's got fluid in her ears. Has she ever had an ear problem before? Well, we only got her approximately six months ago. 
Okay. Was she from, an adopted pet? She came from a lady's home that had several dogs. She also worked for a vet, so she took care of her some way. Yeah. And, and what's your baby's name? Uh, Heidi. Heidi. That's a yeah. great schnauzer name. I love the German uh, names. That's awesome. So, Heidi, when you look at her ears, do you see anything going on in there as far as any uh, discoloration, any black or yellow debris, anything that's kind of coming out of her ears? Well, the, the hair in her ears is a little wet looking. Okay. Not really dis- discoloration. Okay. And does she get groomed regularly? Do you take her in to get her clipped? or? Um, we groomed her here, I guess, a month ago and gave her, we give her a bath and Somebody told me to try to keep the water out of their ears as best as possible. Though. Right, and, and that's correct. If you're doing your, your own grooming at home, um, then it's definitely something you need to be aware of. And schnauzers do have some kind of special concerns um, when it comes to their ears, and you've probably encountered that they have a tremendous amount of hair that can grow outside from within the ear canal. Um, They are truly the most hairy, uh, grandfather-like ears that you can imagine, and they do require some special attention. So I always think it's a nice idea when people can do their own grooming at home, but I put some cautions out there, and you can kind of miss some very important ear care and ear hygiene that the professionals do. And and actually, um, groomers and veterinarians and animal care technicians do a lot of ear care with schnauzers um, consisting of plucking out the hair and removing the hair from the deeper ear canal. Because if a little moisture gets down deep in there and you got all that hair, it can be really hard to keep a close eye on that to make sure the ear stays clean, healthy, and infections can really get a handle pretty easy if we're not addressing that hair as a factor. So in that way, I would say schnauzers definitely do have some special ear concerns. Um, But all the other type of things that you might do as preventative care for her at home um, would be cleaning those ears and, and using a good ear wash solution. Not anything medicated if she doesn't have a problem, but a good um, acid-based ear cleaner. There's a lot out there, allocetic, epiotic, um, um, Oticom, a lot of those type of products, which are good for routine ear cleaning if you're doing some care at home. Um, I would be a little concerned with Heidi's, what you're describing as having some moisture in her ears because that could be a sign that we might have an infection and we'd really want to get that evaluated and get a sample of that um, just so we can see what might be going on in there. Because if we have an infection, we definitely need to attack that with uh, topicals and or types of pills to try to get that in in a handle. And is she pretty comfortable if you're cleaning her ears? Does she let you kind of uh, work with that area? Yeah, they seem to be a little sore, but yeah, she will let you mess with them. As far as some schnauzers are just a little funny about having their ears touched in general. So it's not that she's just being a little sassy, is she? No, she's you know she's fine with it. She doesn't try to snip at you or anything. Okay, but if she, if she seems a bit sensitive when you're just doing that regular ear care, then I would definitely make sure you have her ears checked out. And uh, you know, any kind of fluid in there, we want to get that cleaned up, get her on some medications if that's appropriate. And then, um, you know, just kind of pick up. And you might even consider maybe in the future seeing a grooming professional just to kind of do some of that heavy maintenance work, and then you can kind of maintain her in between. Okay. All right. Thank well, you. thank you for calling. It's great talking to you. Okay, thank you very much. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. 
for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Des Moines resident Clarence Fenton was recently charged with driving under the influence of drugs. His dog's drugs. He's still not exactly sure what happened. Authorities say the phenobarbital that was in his bloodstream when he crashed into a utility pole with his car had been prescribed by a vet. 47-year-old Fenton said he took what he thought were the doctor-prescribed antidepressants when police reports show his car hit the pole. His blood work showed that Fenton had actually taken seizure control pills prescribed for his dog Saturn. Tammy Noble of the Poison Control Center said the story is more common than you'd think. She said they've had three cases this year. People often take their pet's heartworm medication. Ooh, This would be a good time to remind you to read the labels of any medication you're taking. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A lot of attention is now being focused on an alleged emotional support dog that apparently attacked a passenger aboard a Delta Airlines jet in Atlanta last month while it was on the ground, though. The case has put a spotlight, a big one, on the federal law requiring airlines to accommodate ESAs, or Emotional Support Animals. Here's what happened. After traveler Marlon Jackson was mauled by a fellow passenger's lab mix during boarding, well, now the Department of Transportation wants more information on every detail of that incident. And they're also reviewing input from a committee that last year had discussed changing rules for ESAs on planes. Most concerns have involved suspicions that many passengers simply have a pet not a licensed emotional support animal and they bring that pet on board the plane for free by claiming it's a trained ESA now this passenger Jackson was attacked as he sat down in his window seat next to an active duty marine and his dog and the marine was in the middle seat with the dog in his lap and then the passenger Jackson edged past them to the window seat And then right after he was seated, the dog lunged twice at his face and uh, inflicted some pretty deep bite wounds that required 28 stitches. Uh, So the dog was allowed to take a flight later along with his owner. But uh, when they finally got off the ground, uh, the dog was in a kennel and in the cargo hold. So that's pretty scary. 
Well, this is one of those gotta see it to believe it homes, and it's for sale in eastern Arizona. That if you are a cat lover, Hal, uh, you might want to take a look at it. And now, when you drive by or just look at it from the outside, it might look like uh, just a normal old log cabin. Uh, but on the inside, apparently, this is a cat person's paradise. It's a 2,500-square-foot home near the town of Concho, Arizona. But, you know, 2,500 is a pretty good size, 2,500 square feet. But it only has two bedrooms and one bathroom. And then it's got all of these other little rooms that are filled with colorful cat toys, big cat walkways and cat furniture, and feline photos that cover all of the walls. They say that the owner spent about 10 years just meticulously decorating every room in this house. And instead of wallpaper uh, throughout the house, things are pretty much decorated. The walls are covered in, in cats, which are on postcards and photos or pictures cut out of magazines, like, you know, a gigantic collage. The owner says she spent 10 years making the home a cat owner's paradise and so, you know, you'd think that, you know, crazy cat lady, right? She's got 20 or more cats there. But right now, only three cats call it home, but it is on 20 acres of land and a pretty good size. So you have a lot of room. Mm, sounds like my kind of place. It is. It's pretty interesting. It is. Uh, we will, we'll post the video, okay? Okay. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And you can do that toll-free, and we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. First, we want to visit with Mike McCarthy. He's the top dog at RescueExpress.org. And, well, I'll let him tell you what Rescue Express does. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Doing very well. You are a retired software uh, entrepreneur. You've made your millions, right? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> and you've been rescuing animals for at least 20 years or so, right? That's correct. I'm really intrigued with what you do. Tell the listeners what you do. Uh, well, um, my latest um, uh, endeavor is uh, Rescue Express. And uh, Rescue Express is, is a, um, uh, a transport service that we've created to move animals from Southern California to uh, Oregon, Washington, and Canada. Now, why would you There's, need to do that? Uh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. There is actually a shortage of animals in um, Oregon, Washington, and Canada. Okay. And and there's a, a real uh, overpopulation in Southern California. And these animals in Southern California would likely be euthanized. Yes, most mostly that would be the case, yes. So your goal is to get them to adoptable homes in the northwest part of our country? Yes, the way the way we work is um, we just do the transport. We work with um, rescue partners in Southern California and in the north and um, we make the we make the bus uh, uh, available to everybody to transport um, any animals that they would like to transport from any rescue to any other rescue. So these it's are sort of like a city bus okay. with with predetermined times that we go, which is every week um, on Saturday, and we have predetermined uh, stops along the way, and, and and rescue groups are able to 
they, they have to make a reservation first on the bus, but we then stop and pick up animals based on the reservation at various places, and then the bus is full. We're, we're usually at about 125 animals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually about wow. the time. We go up the uh, five uh, freeway, and so by the time we get to Sacramento, we're usually full based on the reservations, and then we... Um, our first stop is usually in Eugene, Oregon, and then that's where we start taking the animals off to rescue groups up in the north. But we continue to go to Portland and Seattle and up to Burlington, Washington. So these animals don't necessarily have guaranteed homes. You're just taking them to rescues and other shelters up in the northern area. That's right. We we just do the transport. But aren't there a lot of people doing this? Didn't were people doing this before you? There, there were, um, uh, and the reason that I started doing it is because I saw so many people doing it, and they were doing it so badly. How's that? <laughs> a, a lot of people were, you know, good-intentioned people were putting 40 animals in a, in a van and, and driving, uh, you know, all day and all night to go up north. But often the animals weren't getting there in very good condition or didn't even make the didn't survive the, the wow. transport. So we looked at, you know, the different vehicles that would, we could use to transport as many animals as we could and, and do it as safely as possible. And we ended up selecting um, the, the Thomas school buses, which are 40-foot buses. And we took all the seats out and put carriers in, in instead. And, and the buses have 100 carriers, and we can carry anywhere from – 100 to 200 animals. We can move an animal from Los Angeles to Seattle for $20. Wow. And, and who pays for that? Well, we're, we're a uh, 501c3 charity. We started this 30 months ago, and um, we just really started to solicit donations over the last year or so. You should get some of these box stores or big uh, pet food companies to, to put in some cash there, get their logo on your bus in exchange for <laughs> Yes, we've tried. You're a genius. We've, we've looked into that. There are grants and things, um, and we're we're working on some of those things. Hey, hey Mike, are are you actually getting any um, animals out of shelters, or is it up to the rescue to pull a dog from a shelter to get it onto the bus? We yes, we, we don't we don't get animals individually out of the shelters. We work with the the, re, the rescue groups. How many animals would you say you've transported since you started? We've just uh, just gone over ten thousand animals in thirty months. Wow! Bravo! Incredible! Incredible! That's awesome. Yeah, great. That's yeah. a lot. And is it mainly cats and dogs? Uh, m- mostly, we have transported bunnies and uh, pigs and <laughs> and barrets, but mostly cats and dogs. Yes. How does this compare to uh, software development? <laughs> <laughs> For you personally, it, well, it has a lot of the same similarities. There's sales and there's uh, payroll and and uh, there's all the same things that are involved advertising and trying to get noticed and and uh, it's much the same. How many people are working easier. for you? Well, we have a lot of um, uh, part-time people. Uh, all told, I guess we probably have oh maybe a dozen people that um, contribute in different ways. And uh, you have three buses? How many buses do you have? Three buses, yeah. Three buses. 
I'm going to hold the picture up to the microphone so listeners can see this. <laughs> Actually, you can go over to the website. We'll put pictures over there. And if you want to learn more and even donate, head on over to rescueexpress.org. Mike, I salute you for what you're doing, and thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thank you so much. Pleasure to, to be here. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Alan Cable with today's goose story. Lucy, you got some flaming goose. That's Bob. He's got some geese that are named after sitcom characters, and they just want to stay together. I always loved I Love Lucy. Bob's afraid he might have to get rid of the geese. I said, you have 10 days to get rid of it. He lives in the town of Beloit, and there's an ordinance that prohibits his geese. It was a shock. Bob's also disabled, so he's medically allowed to have the geese. Therapy pets. I have to get up and let them out every day. Bob started a change.org petition that already has a thousand signatures from all over the world. One of the first long distance one was Alaska, and I was excited about that. But then it started coming in Australia, Germany, Japan, <laughs> just everywhere. Bob has to pay 200 bucks out of his own pocket to make a variance request, and there's no guarantee he'll get to keep his geese. Once something gets in your heart and it's there, it's embedded in you, and they're embedded in me, and I'm embedded in them. This is Animal Radio, baby. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800 472 0658. 800 472 It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We're just a few days away from July 4th, and this can be a fun time for your animals, but it can also be a horrifying time. I know with our animals, our studio animals, we actually keep them in on July 4th because we don't we don't want them to get freaked out by the fireworks and all That's the parties. That's a great parties. idea. Plus, there's a lot of food out there, too, that they could get yeah, into. You know, and a lot of people talk about dogs having the fear of fireworks. We actually have a cat that is totally afraid of <laughs> fireworks and thunderstorm oh. that hides under the bed. It's, it's horrible for them, but uh, we want them to enjoy the holiday, and so we figured the best way they can enjoy it is by staying in. And then, Dr. Debbie, you see animals uh, after the holidays, usually because of food problems, but a lot of times animals, if they get freaked out, they might take off, they might bolt, and they're lost. So the shelters, right after July 4th, they always increase in their the amount of animals that they have there mm-hmm. that are lost. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's what's surprising. A lot of people don't think, oh, my dog's never had a problem before. And all it takes is a bad experience to really trigger this. You know, so that can be proximity, close um, uh, fireworks um, or something. You know, some of those squealing fireworks can really set animals off. And then the concussive force of that. So all of those things combined, it's, it's just really, even if your dog does okay with it, it's best to keep them indoors, keep them away from the noise of the fray, just so, you know, you don't set up a, a future problem with them. Absolutely. Uh, we welcome from Pet Living, Kristen Levine. She's a pet expert speaker and a good friend of Animal Radio. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you just finished the uh, National Pet Anxiety Week. Is that what you, uh, Anxiety Awareness Week, I believe. Is that correct? 
Exactly. It, it actually, it, it was the first annual, and it started last Sunday on the twenty sixth or twenty fifth of June, and it ends today on the first. But the good news is, it will. It, even though we're we're recognizing the week this week, it's it's uh, it's a landing page on my website that's going to be continually updated with educational information and resources for people who have dogs or cats that are suffering with anxiety. Well, anxiety can happen any time of the year. What uh, Absolutely. What signs are there that our pets are suffering from anxiety? Well, when you think about dogs, uh, it can be anything from hiding or panting, shaking, um, vocalization, whether it's whining or barking, inappropriate elimination and and in some serious cases like like my previous dog that actually inspired this um he would become so destructive that he he would hurt himself and then in cats it's a little hard to detect in cats and 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 dr debbie you can you can help me speak to this but cats suffer from fear stress and anxiety as much as dogs but we don't recognize it as often because their symptoms are they're, they may be hiding or vocalizing or, or doing self-harm or maybe repeated behaviors like licking or, or biting at themselves, maybe aggression, but cats tend to hide it a little bit better. And so we might not recognize that they are fearful or they're experiencing you know, a, a stressful situation. You're, you were talking about your dog, and your dog would uh, self-mutilate. Is that correct? He actually, what he would do, and that does happen in some cases, but what my dog would do is he had separation anxiety and noise uh, phobia. When we were away from the home, he would literally tear into the the door casing, the door that we would always exit. He would chew into the molding and the drywall down to the studs in the wall. And even to where the nails were in the studs. And I have a I have a photograph that I don't share very often. It's in one of my blog posts. But it literally shows how he has eaten away the drywall and there's blood dripping down the wall. His his teeth were worn down to just nubs. And so, yes, so he was, I guess you could sort of classify that as self-mutilation. He was just desperately trying to get out of the house. But one of the reasons that I wanted to start Pet Anxiety Awareness Week is because if you catch it early on, you might not have to medicate your pet. There, there are behavioral modification things that you can do. There are some all-natural products. And, and I should mention that um, Calms, which is the pet uh, anxiety relief system by PetMate, is the sponsor of this year's Pet Anxiety Awareness Week. And they really made it possible for me to pull this together. But there are other natural therapies like Calms that, that could be options for pet owners and, and um, perhaps nip it in the, in the bud, so to speak, or, or curtail it so that that condition doesn't worsen. Dr. Debbie, you had talked about desensitizing your dogs. You actually got an app on a, or a phone app that had all these noises. Yeah, yeah. So it has sounds of airplanes, trains, uh, thunder showers, fireworks uh, with those high pitched squeaky, you know, sounds. And so, yeah. So I uh, try to play those at a low level, and then I also play some classical music, kind of uh, superimposed with that, just so we have something that's kind of of a calming nature. And as long as they behave quietly, calmly, and don't show any kind of anxiety, then I keep that level, and I'll, I'll scooch it up just a little bit. 
Now, during that time, I might be feeding them or they might have a chew toy or something to give them something else to focus on. But once I start to notice that, you know, are we seeing anything that they're not liking about this, the, the intensity of the sound goes down. And, um, you know, I try not to recognize and really kind of coddle that fear at that time, but to really kind of make them confident. Well, isn't it the worst thing to do when the animal is having anxiety and visibly shaken and you tell them, it's okay, oh, baby, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it depends because, you know, I've, I've talked to behaviorists that would say that you don't want to um, reinforce the fear by your behavior. Well, Kristen, we thank you so much for hanging with us today. If people want to learn more about what you're talking about and your blog and your website, where can they go? Sure. They can go to PetAnxietyAwarenessWeek.com. And if that's too long to remember, <laughs> you can just go to my blog at KristenLevine.com and you can find it there. In just a few minutes, Robert Simrose right around the corner. He has five must-do things for you and your pet to enjoy Independence Day. And that's uh, right after your calls. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this hour, the shark guy is going to be with us, Brian Scary, and he swims with the sharks and he photographs them for Nat Geo, and he has a special coming up. And we have giveaways of his brand new book, so you want to stick around for that. His last name is Scary? It is Scary. Is that hard to believe? (laughs) It's so appropriate. And I'm wondering if you can take your emotional uh, support shark on Delta Airlines. That's it wasn't on the list, me, is it? Let me look at the list here. I'll tell I'm pretty you. sure there's no sharks allowed on that. Okay. Uh, scratch that. We're going to head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. What are you working on over there, Lori? Um, there's another state that can be added to the list that is no longer allowed to discriminate against certain breeds of dogs. Another state. I love it. Yeah, Good. Yeah. And it's not Happy Colorado, though, that. is it? No, it's not. Still still uh, illegal to have a pit bull in Denver, which is, come on, guys, get it together. I know. Uh, okay, which one should we go to? Let's go to line two. How are you doing, Cass? I'm doing fairly well. Where are you calling from today? Pennsylvania. Lovely Pennsylvania. What's going on? I have the whole dream team here to help you. Well... Me and my boyfriend are splitting up. We've lived together three years, but we have two dogs. One's a year old Tuesday, and one's two years old last month. I don't know if we should split the dogs up. Do I leave them in their home that they've grown up in? Do I take them both with me? I, I'm at a loss. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, I can tell you as far as a lot of folks have concern over what's going to be the best thing for the pet. And that is at least... Uh, how I might advise you is is to really, it can be challenging. We have to replace ourselves out of the situation and look at the pet's um, psychological and physical needs. And for me, uh, you know, I can't tell you what you need to do, but I can tell you what things I do advise folks to look at are going to be the ability to provide uh, time for the pets, schedule, um, you know, who has the the resources, the housing that's going to be most compatible for the pets. And then we also have to look at the relationship of the the dogs together, you know, if they're very bonded together um, or if, hey, when one of them's away, they, they, they can manage and get along fine and, you know, they're good if they go on trips without the other dog or whatever have it be. Um, but those are the things that we would look at to make that decision. Um, and I don't think anyone feels good about this decision. <laughs> um, you know, it, you're in a tough spot. And uh, the important thing that for the pet's well-being and their mental health is that we really just kind of want to keep the drama out of their lives as much as possible because we can get more behavioral issues, anxiety problems when um, either they sense our problems or when we start to um, make some um, greater welcomes. And, and I'll give you an example. I had a dear client of mine years ago who had an older dog who they separated and the older dog um, spent one week with one owner, one week with the next owner. And it went really well in most regards. Um, however, when she got older and she started to develop some cognitive problems, some senility problems, it became very taxing on the dog to reacclimate to the households when she switched from one home to the other. So you have to kind of look at that and how the pet rebounds when they leave one household and return to another. But as the pet parents, the important things also is to not, you know, to, to, to be adults. And, and when you do have a household that you share custody, um, to not have um, a lot of drama about the greeting. So you might say, oh, I'm so happy to see you. I'm glad to see you come back to mama for a while. Um, but that actually can make them, just like a dog who has separation anxiety, those really over-exuberant greetings and departures can actually make them more amped up in the future uh, for both a departure and for um, returning to the home. So um, those kind of things you just kind of have to keep in mind if you're going to do a shared custody um, kind of arrangement. But, uh, you know, I don't know. you got young dogs, so they would be resilient. And as long as they're in good health, I think you guys got to just discuss among yourself who wants the care of the dogs, um, what their needs are going to be, and who can best suit that. So I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to that. You know, my dogs, I know why I couldn't separate them. Um, whether my wife or myself had them, I mean, I know we would both give them, you know, really good care, but um, they wouldn't be happy. They, they, they have, The four of them together are bonded. Um, when one leaves, they seem to look for the one that, that, that's, that's not in the house. Um, I, you know what, if it was me, I would, I would keep them together, and I'll take what Dr. Deb says, definitely um, whoever um, would be the better care provider, whether, you know, whether that be your boyfriend or you, um, I, would, I would keep both of them together with one person. I think it's important, especially if they if they grew up together. It's like it's almost like separating a family in my mind. Yeah, yeah. You know right. what? I'm actually staying together with my wife for the animals. And <laughs> I, I thought about that. I did consider that. Let's just be roommates. Hopefully, we've helped you, Cass, a little bit, or we've made it harder. I don't know. I'm not quite sure yet either. I'll let it soak in. (laughs) Okay. Good luck on that. Thanks uh, for calling. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Without any further hesitation, I present to you the dog father, Joey Villani, on Animal Radio. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about you guys? Yes. <laughs> so I want to talk about pet shampoos because um, I've been getting asked a lot of questions um, over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, people, this is the time of year that everyone wants to go out and kind of bathe their dogs themselves because it's warm out. You know, summer's in full swing and um, it's it's easy just to go out in the yard and bathe your dog. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to want to go to the um pet store to buy pet shampoo so they'll go into their cupboard and they'll see what you know what they have and 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 they'll try they'll try to use what they have so people ask me you know how damaging is this and to be quite honest with you i mean if you have a dog that's in need to be of being cleaned um you know whether they were swimming or rolling in something i say clean them okay and it's now it's not something with people shampoo if you have to it's not something that i would want to do long term and it's more than just ph balance now ph balance for people who don't know okay it's the difference between alkaline and acid and a um normal ph is is kind of measured on a scale from 1 to 14 um meaning 7 um would be neutral Anything above seven is um, more acidy, and anything below is more alkaline. Pets tend to have a more acidy type coat. That being said, what happens? To be honest with you, the shampoo is going to be for people is going to be a little bit more drying to their to their skin, which could cause itching and also could cause you know um, the, the coat to dry out. But what I find that's even worse than that is the fillers that we use in, in people's shampoo. See, pet shampoos, they're only made with um, and anywhere from one to 10 items where people shampoo if you read the label you know there's 20 30 different things in it and they're 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 all different things that we put in there for scent um for oils um just to thicken the shampoo so what that kind of stuff does it builds up on your pet's coat and what happens is it causes what we call chemical matting chemical matting could be some of the worst knots and matting that you'll have because i i and i've said this a million times it's like a dust rag you're gonna when when you dust your house and and you spray things on it for it to pick up the dust. It keeps collecting everything. It keeps collecting everything. So that's what your pet's coat is going to do. But as it does that, it's going to not. And it's going to trap everything into it. So it's going to be harder to brush out. And sometimes you'll brush it out. You'll see from static. It'll it'll separate and go right back together. And in a day or so, you have matting, you know, right where you just brushed and combed. And that's because of everything it leaves behind. The other thing is, is... Medicated type shampoos, dandruff shampoos for people react differently to humans than they do to pets. Okay, so not necessarily, mostly dogs have dandruff because they have dry skin. Humans have a an array of different things that affect dandruff. And sometimes the medication that is in the human shampoo is only going to be harsh and damaging and could cause worse drying of the skin, which is going to cause more dandruff. So you want to stay away from it. So... In a nutshell, if it was up to me, go out and get a good quality pet shampoo. Keep it in your home. Put it in your cupboard, you know, so you always have it. You don't have to worry about it. Then you don't have to worry about anything else. So pets really should probably use pet shampoo to be safe. But like I said, worst case scenario, if you used it, it's not the worst thing in the world. Is it a cardinal sin in a pinch to use like Dawn dish detergent? Believe it or not, it's not. No, it's not something that I would use every day. There's something to be said. Like when you see those commercials... 
when they're actually washing the oil off the wildlife and all that. Yeah. This detergent is is a very basic type of detergent, okay? And what it does, it eliminates grease and, and, and dirt. And a pet's coat, you can use it sparingly, and it's also probably the best flea killer that I've ever used because it breaks the flea down. The flea has an exoskeleton, which means that their skeleton's on the outside. So when you break them of that dirt and oil, it dries them out, and they can't live. Okay. So, no, it's not bad. Okay, there you go, the dog father, Joey Volani. Yeah, they learn something new from you every week, Joey. You see that? I aims to please. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. All right. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Cats have been blamed for triggering asthma attacks in humans for years. But now vets are blaming humans for giving their cats allergies. Veterinarians in Scotland are finding that dusty homes, uh uh-oh, cigarette smoke and even human dandruff can irritate the lungs of a cat and trigger allergies. Cats with feline asthma syndrome have symptoms just like humans. They cough, wheeze, and have shortness of breath. It affects 1 in 200 cats and is more common in pedigree oriental breeds like Siamese cats. Researchers are studying the similarities in cat and human asthma patients to better help treat the illness. But in the meantime, I better start dusting. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, and Nat Geo Wild is celebrating their annual Shark Fest coming up here July 23rd, and we are having Brian Scary on in just a few minutes to share his stories about swimming with the sharks. He feels they're misunderstood, and we'll find out why. Yeah, sharks are our friend. Well, I don't know if they're our friends. (laughs) Your friend, Judy. Yes. Card sharks, maybe. What are you working on over there, Lori? Um, There is a photographer who came up with this wonderful idea. So instead of the cone of shame that you see dogs walking out of Dr. Debbie's office with, right? Sorry. Wait, were you pegging me here, Lori? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not. But I wanted to tell you guys, this is a cool story. She has invented the cone of fame, which is helping to get dogs adopted. Hi, Donna. How are you doing? Hey. Where are you? Uh, Finally got home, and I'm in 
Missouri. Missouri. Missouri is home. And you are on with Dr. Debbie. What's going on in your life? Well, it's actually in my little doggie's life. She, uh, she's a 14-and-a-half-year-old German Shepherd Pit Bull mix. So she's a senior gal. She uh, is starting to lose her teeth. And I was wondering if maybe a little more calcium in her diet might help prolong this. Hmm. My first question for you, Donna, is going to be what do do her teeth look like and what do they kind of smell like? Because that's my first thought there. Oh, no bad breath. Uh, Very white for being 14. her vet can't believe that she is 14, but she really is, because I have all the vet records to prove it. Can you tell how old an animal is by the teeth, Doc? Yeah, you generally can. And in, in, in most cases, the will, there will be a gradual buildup of tartar and some degree of gum disease that comes on. So when I hear a 14-and-a-half-year-old 14 14 doggy, I do expect and I visualize some degree of dental disease. Mm. Um, you know, and I can't see your doggy's mouth right now, but I would expect there's probably something going on there as far as some, some problems. Which particular teeth are you seeing that are um, uh, loose or coming out? The, the back ones, the very back, the back ones. ones. Yeah, we just okay. had one removed uh, in May because it, it split. And, okay, uh, it was broken or it was yeah, like it, coming loose? No, it split. It broke. It cracked in half. Because okay. she's got this pit bull mentality of, of that locked jaw thing, you know, and she has very, very strong jaws. Yeah. And I give her very large, she's always grown up on deer bones. Oh, there you go. There's the problem right there. And I was waiting to hear it, Donna. Really? Um, when we no, really. Dogs- they have. It, it's kept her teeth in very good condition all of her life. And well, uh, I won't nothing. dispute that. But what I will tell you is, chewing on bones cracks dogs' teeth. And that sounds like what we have going on. So, I don't know if I would make the trade-off for uh, avoiding dental care with feeding a bone that can cause a painful crack in a tooth. Um, right. And that is a very common type thing, and, and not necessarily in older dogs. This is something we see in young dogs that are fed, you know, those little um, the ham bones or even some of the really hard uh, thigh bones that you can pick up at the butcher. You know, we may think we're doing a good thing, but it definitely, they're stronger than the dog's teeth, and they'll crack parts of the tooth off and leave that open pulp canal, which is open for infection Ooh. and open in causing pain. So that results in a sometimes very costly extraction or a root canal. So, uh, yeah, I would say rather than look at giving her a supplement of calcium, which isn't going to change that physical disparity between a bone stronger than the teeth, I would say number one thing is we need to stop that practice of giving her those bones. Okay, I can I, I, I can go with that because she is getting older and the teeth, you know, even older people, their teeth get softer as they get older. Yeah, what's something yeah. soft to chew on that's good for an older dog? But I give her those dent bones now, oh. my pedigree. Uh-huh. Those are good. Definitely. uh, I'm a fan of some of the really hard, if she's a big chewer, and a lot of dogs at that age aren't really big chewers, I would like to go with things like some of the Kong toys. And I do like um, some of the rawhides that are compressed rawhides, not the kind that are in strips or in little bones, but the compressed rawhides. So those can be good. She doesn't. She doesn't. No, she never (laughs) liked them. So, but I have found that the larger 
uh, dental bones for the larger mm-hmm. breed, like the like the uh, you know the big Newfoundlands and things like that. She enjoys those because it gives yeah. her something to do with her time. Absolutely, and, uh, and I bet the soft plush toys don't last but five minutes with her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'd say, yep, let's take away those chewing bones and, and maybe stick with more of the edible ones where she can get a little dental exercise and keep those teeth from cracking because, ouch, that is not comfortable. This is Dr. Debbie. If you have questions about a dental problem or anything else veterinary-related, call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, When a senior citizen couple from New York City decided to retire in Phoenix, they knew they couldn't enjoy the beautiful Sedona Mountains without their two cats, but neither Bob or Betty Mattis could drive, and they were afraid their cats, Cleopatra and Pretty Face, would freeze in a plane's cargo hold. They decided to hire a New York cabbie they'd met to drive their cats across the country. Cabbie Douglas Goulanese was happy to take the unusual clients to their new home, and for putting up with two days of meowing, Goulanese was paid a whopping $3,000. When news of the cross-country cab ride got out, people drove by his cab with the New York plates asking, Are you the one? The cats traveled in the back of the cab in carpet-lined cages fitted with litter boxes. Owner Bob Mattis saying the two cages were necessary because the two cats hate each other. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. Are you thinking of getting a dog? Well, here's some things to think about before you do it. Firstly, are you out of the house a lot? Do you work all the time? Give the idea of getting a dog some thought if you're in that situation. I mean, put yourself in the dog's shoes. Imagine being locked up all alone all day with, well, nobody to play with. There are some dogs that like to lay around a lot and they're less active, but most dogs need exercise. They need playtime and interaction. Sometimes folks don't think about it, but dogs are living things and you can't turn them on and off when you want to like your TV. When you get one, you're making a major commitment to spend, oh, I don't know, the next 13 to 16 years of your life committed to a living thing, making sure it has a good life. I bring this up because a lot of folks go out and get dogs without actually knowing 
knowing what they're in for. And again, education is your most powerful tool. You should read up. Ask yourself why you want a dog and make a list of all the reasons. Then look your list over closely. And if you still think you want a dog because you'd be a great dog parent and enjoy satisfying your dog's needs, decide whether or not you want a puppy or an adult dog. Puppies have lots of needs. They need exercise. They need to be around lots of people and lots of other dogs. They're learning about the world and it's up to you to show it to them. Plus, you got to potty train them, teach them what not to chew on. In fact, you got to teach them all the rules and ropes. Adult dogs usually are a lot less work and a lot more mellow too. In fact, it's possible to get a rescue dog or an adult dog that requires very little. Maybe just a good long walk every day and some affection. The one thing you don't want to do is bring a dog home and be in for lots of surprises, not know what to expect. You know, stuff like finding your favorite shoes chewed up or the drapes pulled down, carpet pulled up, door chewed up. (laughs) I've seen it all. You would not believe the destruction that a dog can do to your house. So before you get a dog... Think long and hard, make a list, and do a lot of research and reading so that you both can be happy. I'll tell you this much, there's nothing more rewarding than having a dog. They're incredibly loyal, they're always happy to see you, they never lie to you, and they give you unconditional love. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Dog lovers have scored a, a big victory in Delaware after the state has passed a law preventing breed discrimination, meaning it can't prohibit someone from owning a certain breed of dog just because that's the breed. You know, there's often that breed bias on certain dogs like pit bulls, mastiffs, rottweilers, and others. But now in Delaware, an entire breed cannot be tagged as dangerous. That label, though, will be applied on a case-by-case basis. Also, they say shelters and animal control facilities can't discriminate against different breeds, so they can no longer say, hey, you know, we can't take that dog because it's a pit bull or because it's a Rottweiler. Uh, you know, it's dangerous. It's not going to work now. The new law states findings to deem a dog dangerous are going to be based on the actions of the dog or an individual demonstration of vicious behavior. So with the bill's passing, Delaware becomes the 21st state in the nation to pass a law against breed discrimination. Now, last hour, we told you about a dog whose owner claimed it was an ESA or emotional support animal, a dog that attacked a man who sat next to him on a Delta flight just before leaving Atlanta's airport. Now, many passengers, of course, and you know this, try to cheat the system by claiming their pet is an emotional support animal because ESAs usually fly free on most airlines. But all airlines are not the same. We've heard of all kinds of animals and their stories uh, on flights in the last few years, like geese and, and turkeys that are emotional support animals and chickens, just to name a few. But now Delta has put out on its website a list of critters that it does absolutely under no exceptions except as trained service animals or even pets that are allowed to travel in the cabin, saying that these animals, I'll give you the list here in a minute, post, uh, rather pose safety and or public health concerns. So what animals are not allowed to fly, at least on Delta Airlines? On their list, hedgehogs, ferrets, insects, uh, rodents, snakes, spiders, sugar gliders, reptiles, 
animals with tusks or hooves. And I thought that was interesting because there are a lot of seeing eye miniature horses. Yes, there are. Um, yeah, but also on the list, non-household birds, which they say includes uh, farm poultry. So I guess that's chickens, waterfowl like ducks or game birds. Nor can you fly with a, a bird of prey, you know, like a bald eagle or raptor or something. And last on their list, animals improperly cleaned and or those that have a foul odor. <laughs> so give your pet a bath. Before Does that you include my support iguana? Was that on the list there? Can that I, would be a reptile, wouldn't it? it? Yeah, it would, would be. be you know, and, you know, they say they want clean animals. What about the guy sitting next to me? Shouldn't he be clean too? <laughs> you know? I thought this. I was yeah. thinking that same thing. They have a rule for people. <laughs> All right, guys. You know, when you see someone out, Judy, you walk animals. All the time. Um, when do you ever have a dog wearing a cone? You know, it's been through a medical procedure or something. They get extra attention, don't they? They do, but luckily I haven't. But I have a come across many. Right. And you stop and you pet them because they're wearing that cone of shame and, you know, you just feel sorry for it. But, you know, they say that extra attention to the cone of shame wearer in the shelter uh, really doesn't happen so much because potential adopters, you know, kind of shy away because they can walk away, not get attached. And, and they think that that cone around that sad dog's head implies, oh, no, you know, it's a sick dog. It's going to cost me a ton of money. It's got problems already. But... Usually, they say at the shelter, the cones are used on dogs that have just had simple procedures, like a spay-neuter, and it's only on for a week or so. So a shelter photographer was going through all this, and she had an idea. She was finishing her degree in art school, and she began brainstorming ideas for her project, uh, final photography project. And she came up with the idea. I thought this was pretty clever. With the cone of fame instead of cone of shame. (laughs) in which she turns the dog's medical cone into art that will attract more attention and kind of, you know, masquerade its purpose. So she got really creative and she made several of the collars and decorated them with uh, feathers or flowers, butterflies, gemstones to make them fun and fancy. And then suddenly when she's photographing these dogs and she put them on the dogs with all this fancy stuff, she said that they got sassy, some got goofy and playful, and and it really made them smile. And they even pose while they're wearing these fancy cones because it's, you know, more attention. They're reacting to that. And after her first project, her photos of the cones of fame went viral. I love it. So good thoughts. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that great? That's awesome. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, five must-do things for you and your pet to enjoy Independence Day. The 4th of July is nearly upon us, and as a pet owner, that presents a unique set of extra preparations to ensure that everyone, including our pets, enjoy the 4th of July. It's a sad fact that the day after Independence Day is one of the busiest for animal shelters who are overflowing with pets who were scared or panicked by the festivities. Additionally, there are a number of hazardous situations for our pets to navigate during these day-long celebrations. 
So let's begin with what may be the most important and most agonizing thing for pet parents. And since July 1st happens to be National ID Your Pet Day, it's the perfect time to review your pet's IDs, update their associated information, have their microchip checked, and to take an updated photo of your beloved pet so that if the unthinkable happens, you're prepared and can act quickly to be reunited. Additionally, it's tempting to bring your pet with you to Independence Day festivities like parades, picnics, and get-togethers. However, it's highly likely that there's going to be some very loud moments of fireworks, noise poppers, or other potential startling and fearful sounds. And since you can't control others' actions, think about how your pet is going to react to those situations and whether it would be better to minimize those interactions and potential hazards. And if they're brought to the event, keep track of them. You must be the guardian of their galaxy, as they're going to feed off the energy of those at the event, as well as potentially feeding on the foods of the event. This is another situation that can lead to upset stomachs or even worse. And if your pet has allergies or a sensitive stomach, make sure that you're the only one giving them their food and drinks throughout the day. Another note of concern is that people can be just as much of an issue for your pet's enjoyment. Oversee the interactions between your guests and your pets as not everyone clicks or is as comfortable around pets as you are. Alcohol is something that flows at Independence Day gatherings and is easy for curious pets to get into. Be vigilant about discarded cups and unattended beverages as your pets don't know what is meant for them and what's not. Finally, and this should go without saying, but most pets are not fans of loud, jarring explosions or fireworks. This is often that moment that their instinctual fight or flight responses will kick in and your nightmare can begin. Provide your pets with the quietest and most normal sounding room area that you can provide. And if you can't keep the sounds minimized, then consider turning up the TV or radio and having that act as a normalcy influencer. Independence Day is filled with great foods, libations, activities, family and friends. And with a little planning, you can make sure that everyone, including your pets, can enjoy this national holiday. Share your ways to protect your pet during the 4th of July on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-472-0658-800-472-0658-800-472-0658. That's 800-472-0658. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets, whether it's a cat, a dog, an iguana, or your pet shark. Your pet shark? Well, you never know. (laughs) Our next guest, his name is Brian Scary, and his name is perfect for him because he does some pretty scary stuff. He uh, is a marine photographer. He's a photojournalist specializing in marine wildlife, and he's spent over 10,000 hours underwater in the last 30 years documenting sharks. Uh, for a shark fest on Nat Geo. We welcome him to the show. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Thanks. Let's start off with this. Are you a nutcase? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess that's to be determined, but um, I don't think so. I think think that's part of the misconception about sharks. Why would you get into this? 
Well, you know, I, I started scuba diving um, when I was 15 years old. I, I just loved the ocean, and I photographed many animals in the ocean, you know, whales and seals and little nudibranchs and all kinds of things. But sharks has, has been a, a longtime interest of mine for a variety of reasons. You know, I saw my, my first shark back in 1982 in the wild and was just captivated. They're an absolutely stunning animal. As a photographer, they sort of represent this this perfect subject. You know, they blend grace and power. They they move elegantly through the water, but yet they exude this confidence. Um, but over the years, I also came to see them as a fragile species. You know, they're actually in peril in our world's oceans. So as a journalist, I wanted to tell that part of the story as well. Why are they in peril? Well, they're in peril because each year more than 100 million sharks are being killed uh, annually around the planet by by humans uh, because of industrial overfishing, commercial overfishing. And, you know, sharks play a vital role in the ocean. If you think about the fact that every other breath that a human being takes comes from the sea, more than half the oxygen we breathe is generated by the ocean. And then you think about the role that predators play to the health of any ecosystem, whether it's wolves or grizzly bears or sharks. You begin to see that um, for our own existence, we, we really need sharks in the ocean. Are you in a cage when you photograph these sharks? Not generally, no. Um, you know, there's there's over 500 species of sharks in the world, and I've maybe photographed a few dozen of those. And with most of the sharks that I photograph, I'm not in a cage. Um, generally, with the, with the great white shark, I am. Uh, there are some people who choose not to be in the cage with the great white, but so far I've, I've felt that that was, um, was worth, you know, the one species that was worth being in a cage for. But generally speaking, no. And I think part of that is because as a photographer, it, it's it's better to not be in a cage. You can do more, you know, get better angles and just get, get a better photograph if you're not in a cage. But um, but also I think it speaks to the animal that, you know, you really don't need to be. This can be done safely without um, without being in a cage. But don't they want to eat you? <laughs> well, no, they don't. And, and that's a great question. But the reality is that, you know, despite misconceptions for many years, we, we are not really on the menu. Uh, most sharks are fish eaters for the most part. They, they really don't eat mammals. And um, although people do get bitten and, you know, attacked sometimes, it's, it's usually a case of mistaken identity where a, a big predator shark like a great white might think that a, a swimmer is a, a seal or you know, a turtle or something like that that they would normally eat. But as a rule, it's actually quite difficult to get close to, to sharks underwater. So they're misunderstood just like pit bulls, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I think it, misunderstood is one way to look at it. But I think it's it's just a lack of understanding. You know, we just they've been portrayed as villains and monsters for, for many, many years. But, um, you know, that sells. It, it works. We love our monsters out there. But the reality is these are complex animals. You know, each shark has a different sort of behavior. As I said, there's over 500 species. And I think there's this sort of belief that a shark is a shark is a shark. But they're all very different. They occupy different places in the ocean. They do different things. They have incredible biologies, different morphologies. They're shaped different depending on where they live. And um, and we really don't know that much about them. But what we are beginning to see is that, you know, they do have personality. They do have ways of, uh, of behaving. They're, you know, not unlike other animals, not even like unlike mammals, perhaps. What would you say your craziest experience photographing sharks was? There's been 
maybe three or four times where I've felt the need to get out of the water. And, and I had one, one time where I was in a very remote part of the, the South Pacific in a place called Millennium Atoll, way out there in the middle of nowhere, an uninhabited atoll, a very sharky place. It's kind of like going back in time, lots of predators out there underwater. And I was diving just at sunset. And, and I've noticed that a lot of times in, in coral reef environments, that's a time when sharks sort of get amped up a little bit. It's when they begin hunting at that, that changeover from light to dark. And um, it was one of those cases where there was just a lot of animals in the water. I think I lost count at maybe over 60 of these gray reef sharks. And, wow. and they, were, they were definitely, you know, in a hunting mode and they were sort of coming at me and sort of I was bumping them and they and they weren't really going away. So it was, it was one of those situations where I knew I just had to get out of the water. It wasn't going to be productive photographically. I wasn't going to be able to do much. And uh, it was a little crazy uh, in terms of just the numbers of animals that was around me that night. I encourage listeners to check out Nat Geo's Wild Shark Fest on Nat Geo Wild. We'll put all that information over at animalradio.pet. Brian, thank you so much for swimming with the sharks and sharing with it. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you, guys. As I say every week, it has flown by. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, if you want more information about anything you heard on today's show, visit us over at animalradio.pet. Have a safe and wonderful 4th of July. Bye-bye. 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 This is Animal Radio Network.